Hi, this is Stuart Weems and thanks for listening to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to pose the question, who's going to look after your family's finances when you're gone? Not necessarily a joyful uh, question or topic to sort of talk about um, and something we typically sort of avoid to really think about uh, for obvious reasons. Let me share a story before I get started. I was uh, speaking with an existing client and he was telling me about a a CFO, a chief financial officer of a business that he used to have uh, part ownership of. Anyway, this CFO uh, unexpectedly passed away on the weekend, just had a heart attack out of nowhere while having a barbecue in the backyard with his family. Uh, And of course, it was a really sad event, you know, both professionally and personally. um, My client had worked with this uh, his colleague for a number of years and obviously entrusted and built a good relationship with him. Uh, so it was, a, it was a terrible event, but there was an unexpected negative consequence because the CFO had all the banking passwords committed to memory, never wrote them down anywhere, obviously for security purposes. And uh, the stress, that created a lot of stress around a time where, where my client certainly didn't uh, didn't need it because uh, he had to make payroll the the week following the CFO's uh, death and they didn't have any access to any banking uh, facilities and so forth. So obviously every problem has a solution, but, you know, it's it's a convoluted and stressful process and obviously they didn't want to um, tell the the team, hey, look, you know, we've been so disorganised that only one person knew all the passwords. You know, until you start thinking about these things... Um, or you're confronted with the situation, you know, you don't really think that far ahead or a lot of people don't anyway. So anyway, it taught my client a really valuable lesson. That is, make sure your loved ones are looked after in the event of your unexpected demise. Don't keep him in the dark. And was one of the key reasons why he appointed uh, myself as his financial advisor. So that's what I want to talk about. What are the steps that you need to take so that if you do unexpectedly pass away, your family, including your spouse, loved ones, beneficiaries and so forth, um, are well looked after, obviously, but make sure that that whole process is a lot easier for them. So the first thing to think about is, is passwords. I mean, the amount of passwords we have these days are just ridiculous. However, there's probably less than 10 that are really critical, financially critical to know. So, um, and if you don't, uh, if, if it, your loved ones or spouse or children don't have access to these passwords or, or know where they're saved or recorded, it can, it can make, make it very, very difficult. I had a client that uh, passed away in the last six months, I had some investments with Vanguard, um, and uh, his spouse can't access those, can't have her own personal sort of login into that uh, because he didn't record his password anywhere. Now, obviously, we've got access to the details via our advisor login, um, but, you know, the, the point's well made in that uh, lack of recording creates that sort of stress. So, you know, you think about online banking, superannuation accounts, you know, if you've got industry funds and so forth, managed fund providers or share brokers, Comsec, these sorts of things, or really any investment provider um, you, that has online access, they're the ones that you need to record. And again, it's not; it's probably less than 10. Um, there's passwords at, password apps that you can use, or really a simple password-protected spreadsheet probably does the trick. Uh, what I've done is I've put my 
uh, passwords in an Excel spreadsheet, uh, added a password onto that, and the link in the is in the show notes on how to do that. Saved it in Dropbox and then shared the link with my spouse, with my wife, so that um, it, no matter where she is in the world, she'll be able to access that particular file. She has the password, and then she's got all the all the information that she needs uh, in the event of um, I, me having an accident or passing away. Uh, similarly, you need to have a, a summary of assets and liabilities. You know, if you pass away, for someone to then to sit down and work out, particularly if they haven't been involved in the process, to work out, you know, what assets you have where, what bank accounts you have, um, and what the value of those assets are, that can be a very time-consuming and frustrating process. So you can make it a whole lot easier just by having a simple spreadsheet. And maybe you, you save it in the same file as all your passwords, but you can at least then set out, here's the property addresses, here's the values. I've got some shares with Comsec. I've got a couple of bank accounts here. You know, here's where my super is invested, etc., etc. And so that, that someone, an executor or your spouse, it could be one and the same, uh, has a very clear idea of what... Uh, is involved in your financial circumstances. The additional information you might put in there is any financial commitments, car leases, loan repayments, these sorts of things, so that um, uh, so that they can immediately keep on top of and, and manage uh, and service any commitments that you currently have before they work out what to do. You also need a list of personal risk insurance insurances, insurances such as income protection, life and TPD and maybe trauma insurance if you have it. Um, keep a list of, you know, uh, the benefit, the, the types of policies, the benefit amount, the policy numbers, and then the insurer, you know, whether it's with the super fund or with a, with a, with a retail provider, uh, which insurer it's with. That way, if you do have an accident or you do pass away, um, it's possible that your spouse or loved ones can make a claim on your behalf and they'll know um, what cover you have. They don't need to go around looking for it or guessing or missing, in fact, cover uh, just because they don't know it's, it exists. You need to also have a contact list. So, you know, your, your, your spouse or loved ones really need to know who to contact, who to speak to for what different things. So keep a list of any trusted advisors, including a description of what they do for you and when to contact them. So people like financial advisors, accountant and tax advisor, insurance advisor, estate lawyer, which is really the person who drafted your will, mortgage broker or banker. These sorts of people, uh, you really need the contact details and when to reach out to those people for particular help. Discussing your investment strategy with your uh, spouse or loved ones is also an important thing to do, in particular, so that they know what the the future plan is, and then in the event of your death, what they need to be doing or or do. That is, whether they should sell assets, repay loans, invest insurance proceeds, what to do with your super, these sorts of things. This is particularly important if your um, spouse or loved ones either has little involvement in you know, the, the financial management of your, your family's finances every day or has very little interest in, in that or both, <laughs> um, uh, it's very important to do because obviously if you pass away uh, then and your spouse doesn't have any clarity or understanding of these things, then that normally creates anxiety and stress at a time obviously when they don't need a lot of anxi- additional anxiety and stress, a time when that's emotionally painful and already very, very stressful. So, so setting out, and you get in, you might do it in a descriptive way, uh, in in a document somewhere. Setting out what steps that they need 
take, who they need to talk to, and what you think they probably need to do. Obviously, it's subject to advice or, or consideration at the time, but at least you give them some guidance uh, about what to do. You know, understanding uh, also the spouse must understand uh, their financial position, tax structures, and borrowings. You know, I find that typically one spouse takes more interest in the finances than the other, usually because they've got a genuine interest in money or investing and so forth. Um, and so that that spouse typically takes responsibility for all the ongoing financial management. And then uh, often you have the other spouse doesn't really have a lot of um, visibility on on what's going on financially. But uh, my view is that uh, lack of interest is not an excuse for ignorance. You know, you must understand your own financial uh, situation and it's not a responsibility you can delegate to someone else, including your spouse. Uh, It's your money, so it's your responsibility. You don't need to immerse yourself in the detail, but you do need to have a high-level understanding. So if you're the spouse that's primarily responsible for making the financial decisions, and if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that's true, uh, then you really need to sit down with your your spouse or loved one and and explain how things are structured, how it's all set up, and and what they need to do and any sort of key information it won't take less than half an hour keep it high level they're not really interested don't get into the detail but just make sure they have a high level understanding they might not be interested now but if the if the unexpected worst event was to happen that is your passing away you passing away uh, they they will thank you for that conversation at that at that time Another point is letter of wishes. So we all have, well, we should all have wills, power of attorneys, uh, both medical and financial. Uh, they're legal documents that a lawyer needs to put together for us, and they're the, the cornerstone of any sort of estate plan. Um, but also you can have what's called a letter, letter of wishes. A letter of wishes isn't a legal, legally binding document, but it's really gives you the ability to provide guidance to your executors. So it accompanies your will. So the way I normally approach it, so that I've approached with my own personal will, is I like to keep the will, uh, has, have a, enough flexibility as possible, you know, give as much flexibility to the executor as possible, and then have an accompanying letter of wishes, which really then sets out how to execute those duties. So you can be um, more direct, more descriptive, and more personal in a letter of wishes. And the benefit is that you can update at any time. It's not a legal document, so you can just um, draft a letter of wishes today, and you could change it tomorrow uh, at your will if you wanted to to do so. So it outlines really uh, who is to receive what assistance or assets, and, and more importantly, possibly when not to provide such assistance. So for example, my concern is that, you know, if my children are really irresponsible with money, um, you know, if one child's irresponsible, one's really responsible, then I think they, they need to be dealt with differently. Uh, similarly, if, if one child has an, an addiction, uh, drugs, gambling, alcohol, something like that, um, providing them with um, carte blanche, you know, financial assistance is probably not in their best, well, not probably, it's not in their best interest, in my opinion. So I want to provide that guidance to my executors to say, hey, look, if there's those sorts of problems, hold the money back in trust, manage it well, and just be a bit more particular about it. Um, so have a think about a letter of wishes. It really then makes your uh, the job of your executor and spouse a lot easier. Uh, that way they don't need to sort of second guess whether they're making the right decisions. They can really carry out your wishes and have a, a, a very thorough understanding of what you hope to achieve.
Um, have a think about, again, if your spouse or loved ones or beneficiaries aren't that interested in money, um, it's, it's not a natural interest for them, um, then you need to really think about whether they have the confidence, knowledge and experience uh, to make really important financial decisions if you're not around. And so they might need to engage a trusted advisor um, and selecting the right trusted advisor can be difficult. So maybe it's something that you need to do or line up or organise uh, in advance uh, so that at least you can say to them, look, if you do need help, or you could even say, I think you will need help, go and speak to this person. I trust this person. They know my financial position. They'll look after you. You also need to think about um, what happens if you and your spouse uh, pass away at the same time, particularly if you have children, because then you're going to have to deal with um, uh, parenting and guardianship issues and so forth. Um, But if you and your spouse pass away at the same time, uh, then you'll have an alternative executor uh, to look after your will, and you need to make sure, or it's always best to make sure that um, make that as easy as possible for the executor because it, it's a very stressful and can be a very time-consuming uh, role to play um, and, you know, something that they're not necessarily going to enjoy. So if you can share all the information that I've just spoken about uh, with the, the person that's going to look after your will, it will make it significantly easier for them. Uh, obviously, you now I've got a vested interest in saying this, so I'll certainly declare that from the beginning, but obviously having a financial advisor make is a really simple solution to all these problems um, because that way you can say to your uh, spouse or loved ones, you know what, uh, this person knows everything about my situation. I trust them. In the event of my death, go and make an appointment with them straight away and they'll tell you exactly what you need to do and lay lay out the lie of the land and so forth and you can even have a letter of wishes and give it to your financial advisor so they know exactly uh, the sort of advice and and so forth uh, that that um, they would appreciate um, providing their loved ones and so forth and particularly if your spouse is again less financially minded um, it's really good or it's it gives you the comfort that you know that but they're well looked after and they won't be burdened with the sole responsibility to make all you know, really important financial decisions without independent counsel and support. So let me finish on a high note. Let me say that I hope you enjoy uh, a long and healthy life from here on in. You know, we hope that um, that your ultimate demise isn't around the corner and let's face it, none of us plan to die tomorrow. But for the sake of our loved ones, it's always good to ensure everything's organised. Everything's set out exactly how I've Uh, explained it that way if the worst is to happen you know you've done your best uh, to to help that transition to help that situation as much as possible so there you go as always all the information links are in the show notes as well as the blog on our website Uh, so certainly take a take a look at that and until next week bye for now